Yo, what's up, my local friends? Happy Friday, and welcome to the seventh episode of the podcast. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by, you guessed it, Jordan Hauser Digital. That's my video production company here in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. If you're a business looking to tell your story with video, get at me at Jordan Hauser Digital on Facebook, or you can visit jordanhauserdigital.com. If you are interested in advertising on this very show right here in the pre-roll, you can email me at the local 724 at gmail.com. Your ad would be heard by a ton of local people and you would be supporting this very podcast. Just something to think about. Today in studio, I'm happy to have a longtime friend of mine, a brother from another mother, Pittsburgh-based director and filmmaker, Ryan Abel. He recently just released a short film called We Come in Peace that took place during the Storm Area 51 movement. You can find the link down in the show notes or you can search We Come in Peace, Ryan Abel, A-B-E-L, on YouTube. It's a great film. I highly suggest you go check it out either before or after this podcast. Here we go. Welcome to the local 724 podcast in 3, 2, 1. Brian Abel, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is uh, quite an honor. It's my oh. first podcast ever. First one. I, I've been listening to podcasts for like 10 years, and uh, yeah, it's probably something I'll try or look at into in the future, but this is my first one. Yeah. I'm glad to be your first. <laughs> <laughs> You're always my first. There we go. So a little background history between the two of us. Uh, we used to work together. At uh, the previous job that I mention on here all the time, never actually dropped the name, but uh, I say previous job. Great job! It's a good. It Lots was a great of fun. Job. We had uh, it was fun. You were the first person I hired. Yeah, I I could see the skill set from. Uh, not trying to kiss your ass. I could see it from day one. Multifaceted. Um, I knew that you could edit, shoot, and light, and that was really important to me. I like jack of all trades, guys. Uh, it's important, especially in video, and you need people you can rely on. Yeah, and you're definitely that dude. Thank you so much. It was fun. I enjoyed working with you and uh, getting to know you. You're a fun guy. Same. same. (laughs) We're kindred spirits for sure. Since then, uh, both of us have kind of split from that and uh, gone off on our own, blazing our own trails. So it's pretty sweet. You recently did a film that uh, my wife and I went to go see down in Pittsburgh. And that was awesome. That was all about the... uh, the people that go down to Area 51. Yeah, the Storm Area 51 internet extravaganza. Um, it was on September 20th, 2019. Yeah. I got a text message from you. I saw your story on Instagram, and I got a text message from you on September 18th. And I had no idea when you were going. I didn't know when this was taking place. And you're like, hey, man, you want to tag along? And I was like, uh, I really can't. I just got married, all this stuff, you know, funds are tight or whatever. And uh, I looked over at Jess and I was like, Ryan asked me to go to uh, to Area 51. And she was like, you should go. And I was like, <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to go. I was like, I, I just don't think that. And now I wish that I would. <laughs> like, well, uh, shout out to Jess and Jody, our uh, significant others, uh, because it's not a lot of it's not a lot of people that like the week before. uh national disaster you're like i think i think i should go to area 51 and they're like yeah that's a great idea you know (laughs) um that's pretty rare i but i think that we were kind of 
I had, um, as you mentioned, I went out on my own and I'm, I'm doing film and video and photography on my own. And, uh, I had the time off. I was in between jobs and I was like watching, checking the temperature of the internet. And you know, um, something everyone should know about me by now is that, uh, I'm into fringe topics and, uh, (laughs) I like the term conspiracy enthusiast, uh, not, uh, theorist or you know and i don't like to believe them all i just like to learn about them you know anything from giants that are found in raleigh north carolina or you know antarctica or whatever's going on i just it's just that's my kardashians that's i don't uh really pay much attention to pop culture professional sports or anything but this is like my thing so um yeah um so like probably the week before I, it came to me like this could actually happen. And uh, I had a buddy that's in California and he had a bunch of camping equipment. And I was like, okay, what if I fly to LA, pick him up, and then we drive to Las Vegas. And then like an hour outside of Las Vegas is Area 51. And there was going to be some campgrounds and different festivals going on. And uh, that was the plan. So I don't know if you want me to keep going. Yeah, uh, keep going. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I'm just interested how this all happened. Yeah, because, well, I mean, I, it was very spur of the moment, but also my my brain is always working, and so it's 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 often I could be watching Back to the Future, and I'm thinking, well, what do you think a flight to Nevada is, and then what if, well, what would I need to get out there, and you know, like, and I kind of was doing all this planning in my head, and when I finally, you know, told my wife Jody, I was like, I mapped I mapped out what was going on and kind of why. And she was like, this is like a no brainer. Like you have to do it. Um, the other thing is that because I'm interested in these topics, I can talk to people about it. Yeah. It's, and you know, it wasn't, um, well, we'll get into like the theory stuff later, but, um, the, the actual physically, like, how do we get there? Um, so I bought the tickets the next day. One of the three festivals was shut down. They said like, we, we're not going to handle there's 2.2 million people coming out to the desert. This is a town, Rachel, Nevada, that has maybe 25 police officers. Holy shit. Yeah. You're literally in the, in the middle of nowhere. They said, um, don't come. They said, um, well, a little bit about the background of this story. A face group started a mm-hmm. Facebook group started and a guy said like, we should all storm area 51. They can't, shoot us all. They can't stop us all, you know? And that blew up to like a million people in like the first like little bit. And then all of a sudden it was like 2 million people and like all, so they were all saying that they were going to descend on this town and there's one gas station. They, the gas station also is like the grocery store. They're saying like, we're not gonna be able to feed all these people. The rest, there's like a restaurant there. Um, there's a hotel that's called the little alien. Inn, and, uh, <laughs> it's just like a motel like in the middle of nowhere. It's also butted up against uh, public land or like the Bureau of Land Management, which is you can just pull your car on there and put a tent up. Like that's our nation's land. It's that's your, awesome. This land is your land. And uh, <laughs> so we went um, with, I, I wanted to secure tickets. So we had a place to stay because I didn't quite understand the Bureau of Land Management and how if we can, you know, and I didn't want to be like, are we going to sit in the car for 14 hours driving like the two miles leading up to it? And you know, what was traffic going to be? And, um, they sent, uh, I mean, there was national guard, um, Marines, uh, Rangers, 
park rangers. Um, I mean, the, these weren't even the people that work at Area 51 guarding it. This is just in a general military presence in case there was like rioting or just crazy stuff or whatever. And I have to tell you, they were so nice. They yeah. were they were laughing, taking pictures with us. They're, um, you know, I, I made the joke of like, can't you like radio in some, you know, stealth bomber to fly over us or something. And the guy even like <laughs> reaches towards his mic and kind of made the joke. Like he was going to do it. He's like, Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they were really cool. Um, so that's, I'll get how we got there, whatever. So flew to California, drove three or four hours to Las Vegas, um, went to the grocery store, stocked up on peanut butter, bread, cases of water, just anything that like, in case, you know, wet, wet wipes, baby wipes, whatever, like yeah. in case we were in the car having to like, you know, Woodstock situation where like people just abandon their cars on the side of the road. And uh, on the national news level, um, back home and on the way there, it's like this total chaos is going to be happening in the desert and uh, don't come and, and all, all this military presence and this is going to be a big scary thing or whatever. You get to Las Vegas and you're watching like the local news and they show like, like a balloon floating through like an empty parking lot. There's like no one there. (laughs) And that made me like chill a lot, you know? Um, so spent the night in Vegas and didn't like party or anything, just chilled, um, rested, got up super early the next day, drove out to area 51. It's about an hour and a half, no traffic. Um, and the idea, it, wa- it wasn't just that I needed to go um, to see aliens or Area 51. Right. I wanted to um, make a photo project, a portrait photo project um, with a new camera that I had gotten, which is a large, it's a medium format uh, Pentax 6.7. It's uh, basically a range finder that um, has large format negatives. So if you take your normal 35 millimeter negative that I'm sure most people know, and it's double the size, so it's a 70 millimeter mm-hmm. negative giant, and you get this clarity and and um, sharpness that like doesn't really exist in digital. You can do things digitally, but like when you see a sharp film image, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. And so that was just the basic um, impetus of the project. Come home with some photos. So I had 10 rolls of medium format film, 120 film. And then, um, sorry, I keep moving away from this mic. <clears throat> and um, so the night before, I'm like, why am I not doing any video? I'm like, I'm like the video guy. You're like, video I, guy. <laughs> video guy, which is like. I, I have that, that same it. problem. Yeah. It's, you know, whatever. People, as long as people keep calling me, I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like when I'm out traveling and stuff like that, I find myself, I take all my stuff. Right. You have, have it with bag you. Packed full of gear that sometimes never sees the light of day. Right. Because I'm just like, I'm so, I want to have fun and I want to experience all that with like my family or my wife right. or something. Which you should. And, it ends up being, yeah, I take a lot of photos, right. but then I don't like try to put together some story. Right. But yeah. uh, I'm pretty glad that you did. <laughs> well, story, let's use that term loosely. Um, I think, yeah, I, I th- there's definitely a thing where you have your stuff with you and you're just, I'm a very, I, I, I collect experiences, mm-hmm. you know, and 
part of being in the moment is not looking through a viewfinder. It's like really, you know, um, I mean, this is going to sound ridiculous, you know, breathing the mountain air or the desert air. And what does this feel like? And what is the sun like right now? And what are these people doing? You know, like just, yeah. I, I'm like a, I'm observer, you know, yeah. I love to watch people. I love talking to people and learning about them. And um, so I decided that, well, while I, I'll take their picture, but then I'll also ask them if I can do like a short little interview, you know, yeah. and kind of make it, I'm not going to do this rigid structure of 10 questions and then I'm going to cut through all the questions of what these crazy characters are doing, mm. you know? And, um, I also didn't want it to be like a vlog. Yeah. Um, I'm not a YouTuber. Um, and I didn't want to be like, what's up everyone. We're down at area 51. There's all these <laughs> wild zany people. Let's see what's going on. Cause I saw people trying to do that, Oh yeah. you know, and in a way it's a bit exploitative, you know? And, because I, I, it's not like those people. It's like I am one of those people. Like I, yeah. I sit there on those same websites too, and I wanted them to all feel respected. And you know, there are some more um, interesting characters, and then there's also just like some dudes, you know. And I tried to give them all the same weight, you know, yeah. and and I let the questions be kind of light and loose and more like conversation starters. And that way each interview is like totally unique. And, you know, if you, in, instead of saying, what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? I just would open with like, so what brings you out here? Where are you from? How, how long have you been like looking at this kind of fringe topics and stuff? And I mean, I met people from Barcelona. I met people from Wexford, Pennsylvania. I met, uh, you know, retired Rangers that are RVing around the country and very uh, wide array of people. Not one of them crazy or anything, just right. having fun. And the film is really about um, the community that surrounds this kind of stuff, you know. And and I don't know if you've ever been to like a uh, like one of my first jobs, oddly enough, was photographing an anime convention. And it was at this college. And, you know, I, I didn't know anything about anime. And I didn't know they were going to be like dressed up. And I didn't know that there would be like cosplay happening and stuff. But to see in their faces that they were at a spot that they could be with other people like them. Yeah, whoever they wanted. It was so warming. You mm -hmm. know, it was so like... They, you know, maybe in high school they're an outcast, but today they're in the in crowd. The fucking rock stars. Yeah. And I was like, that, like, I loved it. Yeah. I, I spent, like, so much time there taking those pictures. But, um, yeah. I mean, it's basic human need, you mm -hmm. know, to be accepted, to Ab belong. Yeah, community. And, yeah. I mean. Absolutely. It's, I think it's really cool that you went out and did what you did. Um. I'd like for you to keep talking about kind of just like the people that you met out there and, uh, you know, some maybe funny stories. I saw the film and uh, the thing that I really enjoyed about it was just the fact that you were talking to these people. It was very conversational and you could tell, you know, watching the film that it was very conversational. You had these people at ease, you know, right off the bat, just because you do talk. I'm a talker. A You're a, I'm talker. a talker. And um, so it was just nice to see like you asking questions and you were getting some good information, but you were also making it like very lighthearted 
and it was funny and and very informational all at the same time. Yeah, and I think um, you know, and I'm sure you know as well as I do when you're working a, um, and you have to shoot interviews for a client or something like that. Um, things do get a little rigid and you try, you know, I always try to put them at ease, but if, you know, a client kind of needs something specific. So mm-hmm. you kind of have to start pushing for, well, I w- would really love you to look at the camera and say, thank you. I, w- I w- uh, can we, well, how about we, you know, and, yeah. and the person starts getting tense and mm-hmm. they start, well, that's not what I would really say, but I also want to make you happy. So, yeah. you know, it's turning <clears throat> into an acting job at that point. Right. Right. Yeah. And regardless of their sentiment, their sentiment may have matched with what's being said. But um, I really it, it wasn't important for me to get this zany thing that mm-hmm. someone's going to say. Um, and a lot of people like uh, Jan in the film, she's the one that says, uh, don't make me look like a dick. I love her. She actually emailed me and said, thank you for not making me look like a dick. (laughs) (laughs) So that was pretty awesome. But she, um, I have a tattoo and it's like a little native American with shooting at a star. And she, she actually came up to me and she was like, Oh, he's shooting the stars. Like, yeah. Okay. And, and I, she had an alien blow up doll in her passenger seat of her truck yeah. and all these files <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like sitting outside of a gas station. So that kind of actually just to continue what I was saying before is as we were getting out there and there was no traffic, mm-hmm. I was like, I could see we're not going to have any problem. Like, let me just kind of let's pull over and just see what's going on. Start talking to people and whatever. And you can, t- the energy in the air was palatable. I mean, it was like. People just, some people dressed up at the gas station and some people just like wearing alien sunglasses and, you know, like it was such a fun atmosphere. And then um, I just started grabbing people and saying, hey, do you want, you know, I'm just doing like some video. You want to, you know, chat for a second? And she, I mean, she talked to me for 45 minutes. Yeah. I had to like get a new card and like, okay, let's keep going, you know. (laughs) Um, Problem is when you get it back and you're trying to make sense. I understand some of the things that she was talking about, but people on the outside of the fringe topics, they have to. So her 45 minute conversation was trimmed to about less than five minutes. I Mm -hmm. mean, I had it. I had her in for like 11 and then I was like, "Mm." because when you, you know, the editing, I mean, is very... It's not, I'm, I try, I'm not trying to make something. I mean, I was making something for me. There was no client or anything, but I was also trying to make it for an audience that, that your average person who, who doesn't know anything about any, like whatever about fringe topics, outside stuff, um, that they could enjoy it and also make it clear what this person is saying. Because sometimes when you get into a conversation with, um, this community, there can be some rambling because they're they're think they're processing so much information, and then they're also trying to relay it to you, and they're going everything from mind control experiments to uh, there's a hangar in this mountain, and then you know I was abducted, and that and like I'm talking within the first like five minutes of meeting them. Yeah. Now that could turn off some people, but for me, I'm like. I can kind of like go with it a little bit and then kind of pull out the little gems of like, cause they're full of interesting and insightful information, which like 
I love to hear. So, um, and then some wild stuff, you know, um, there was a couple that talked about, um, I think they're in West Virginia and they have a, they live by a lake that's controlled by the Corps of Engineers. It's like a, I believe an army organization and they had craft come out of the ground and fly overhead and they could smell like ozone and all like, and then like two military jets flying after it. And they have a, some remote areas that they take four wheelers to and then sit and um, maybe I should release the, all the like full length interviews, but um, they would sit on the ground and then all of a sudden like have craft flying over and you could see it. And um, they invited me to come check it out too. That would be awesome. <laughs> I know. Maybe that's, I want to go this time. Yeah, all right. <laughs> this time <laughs> I'm going. I think that the way that you edited this, um, to me as an editor, I think that it was just, it was perfectly done. Very artfully crafted. It means a lot from you because you're a very talented editor. It, uh, it just, this was made for an audience. I feel like because it, there's people, I mean, and I'm on the same page as you. I mean, like every show that I watch is FBI, CIA, all this like, you know, behind closed doors type of shit. That's the type of stuff that I like. It really excites my brain and I, you know, I can, I can just zone out and watch this stuff. Absolutely. And, um, but not everybody's like that. So it's just like very fun to be able to watch this video, get those tidbits of things that are important to me. But overall, it really does speak to the masses. It's like that lady, she was sitting there talking to you forever and ever and ever. And, uh, but in the film, you know, she did say some like some fun things that you would be like, all right, this lady's a, yeah, she's you know, talking about a dream where someone know. pulled off their face and underneath is an alien. And then that actually happened in real life after her, you know, yeah. there's, there's a lot. I mean, know? for the normal person, that's something to process, but like she sums up the whole thing and, and this is where the editing comes in. The person watching that could be like, all right, this lady's batshit crazy. But at the end of her interview, she says, don't make me look like a dick. And you put that in there and immediately, dude, like anyone could go from this lady's batshit crazy to holy fuck. This is my favorite interview in the whole thing. She's <laughs> awesome. I love her. Yeah, you I know. think like there she's aware. She's human. That Everybody she, that like what she's talking about might be a little off putting to people or right. just out there in general. Um, editing is not anything that I would say is my strong suit. It's, I like, I like, um, partnering with editors, you know, you you were one of them for sure. And, um, giving them some authorship to the work. Um, this one, I just wanted to get my chops back a little bit on, and, you know, if I would have handed this to a commercial editor, they would have made something different. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I, I was talking about earlier when you talk to people that are, really um into these topics they they just keep coming at you and i and i wanted the edit to feel like it's like flowing over you and you're you're hearing what they're saying but did they just what did they just did they just say that like what what and then you know so it's kind of like washing over you and then it breathes for a second there's like these little moments of like you know cinematic kind of stuff and then you go kind of back into it so it could be like bam 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 and then all of a sudden like breathe a little bit and then yeah so because i didn't want it 
so that's kind of like a nod to our internet YouTube generation of lack of um, attention span. But yeah. um, I think that coupled with the little breaths in between, it didn't feel so like, ah. Right. So I feel like, you know, it was good that you got to edit this project by yourself because, you know, like back in the day when we were working together, your specific job was to run the team and shoot and things like that. You couldn't, you know, be in there editing as well. You know, like you were always overseeing. I'm sure they would try and and things like that. Yeah, (laughs) no doubt. Um, But, you know, so all those years that you're in there doing your job, you lose, you know, like you said, you got, you had to get your chops back. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't cut anything for five years. Yeah. My, that, that was like myself for you yourself. Know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but working with talented people, I've learned a lot, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, uh, you know, you and Chris, I think excellent editors. And yeah. I learned so much from that process, even though I was kind of like post-production supervisor for as far as editing went. And I would never call myself an editor, but I, you know, it's like, if you want to make films, watch a lot of movies, you know, yeah. and you'll figure it out. And if you want to edit, watch, you know, a team edit and make things and, you know, it, you'll figure it out. You know, it's not like I hadn't ever edited, but right. um, I had to just working professionally. I had to learn to speak to an editor and, oh, no, pull this back, you know, color stuff, whatever. And um, now I love it. I mean, now, yeah. you know, I would never take an editing job, you know, I mean, you know, yeah, prices. You know, but, uh, but that's, uh, just cause of the time frame and stuff. I really took my time, yeah. you know, um, the editing process took a long time, Yeah, you know, just initially, you know, you're taking like a 45 minute interview and you want it to say something and you're like, you know, so I cut all the interviews first and then I like had to cut each interview individually and then start getting it together yeah. with some of the ephemeral like B-roll stuff and how, what fits with what. And I didn't want it to be so literal. You know, it's, it's not like someone's talking about an alien and then you see an alien, you know, right, it's, yeah. it, I don't know. So I think know. that's the freedom that you have whenever you're not doing client work, but you're doing passion projects. Mm-hmm. And I think that like, how, how important do you think that, you know, in our positions now we're off on our own, we're running our own businesses mm-hmm. How important now do you think that passion projects are? Because when we did work together, there was both of us would talk all the time about wanting to do passion projects, but we never did anything. Now we have the time to do it. How important is that? I think that uh, especially for people working in the creative field, I think honestly you're judged more by your personal projects and your personal work and the things that you're doing. It shows your passion. Um, It shows uh, your creativity. Um, you know, it's nice to have a a good professional portfolio, but that is art that I've made for someone else. And I've, I've made it a high level for, to their, to their taste and their direction. And I enjoy that. I like that collaboration, but, um, that doesn't necessarily, it, it, it's like a technical exercise. Someone could say, Oh, he, can shoot a red camera and he can, you know, operate a dolly and he can run a crew or whatever. But when you want someone's voice, you know, and so it's, that's really important. Um, so I feel like now 
I want to start doing a lot more like making a schedule almost of like, okay, I work, I do a commercial job. Now I have a week off. I can do, you know, this smaller thing. That's something that I'm more into. And, you know, like say you want to direct the childish Gambino music video or whatever. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to pick you based on the clients that you made great work for. They're going to pick you for your vision and usually you can only really express your full vision when it's your own project, Yeah, you know? And also, even if you're not trying to go next level like that or whatever, for a creative person to um, continue doing, even if you're an, a graphic designer or an illustrator or whatever, to keep making stuff, that's just to keep the juices flowing. And then you can pull that into your commercial work or, hey, I was, I was working on this thing and this, you know, could we could apply that to this brand or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I think, and then I think people actually will pay you more because you're an artist, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you're just a guy that can make videos or whatever, you know, then, well, then you're not really differentiating yourself, you know. But if you're, you know, I th- something that, like I think came across in this is like a bit of my nature, you know, lighthearted, yeah. have fun and also like make something cool. And, uh, I have been posting commercial work for since Instagram started and you know, you get likes and comments yeah. and stuff. Great. But when I started this project, the response was overwhelming. I've yeah. never gotten more engagement right. in my life. Isn't it wild what people latch on to? I mean, I thought I was doing this silly, um, oh, you know, passion project that no one's going to watch. Um, and now there's, you know, there was like a hundred and some people at the screening. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Alex Rivera for and Dancing Gnome for putting it on. That was yeah. amazing. And then um, there's been a thousand views. It just hit a thousand views on YouTube, which I thought I was going to get like a hundred. Yeah. You know, and so... You know, and I'm trying to get it shared and posted and, and, um, but yeah, the response has been overwhelming and it's only encouraged me, you know, absolutely. now I'm like, okay, that's cause like I work in fashion and retail and, and these, you know, it's, it's a small market and there's a lot of competition for artists in there. But when you start to think about like the audience outside of there, that's it's massive, massive, yeah. you know? So Plus, it's like stuff that I'm interested in. So as long as I can keep working professionally, commercially, whatever, but then also have time to make my own stuff, I'm like golden. Like, that's yeah. great. That's all I want to do. That's you know? awesome. I know when we were working together, like that was kind of towards the end of my my tenure there. I uh, Passion projects really like, I mean, we've talked about it so much and we talked about making videos and all of this stuff. And I sat and I realized like, I haven't really done anything for myself since college. Now I'm 30 some years old and I'm like, geez, oh man, I I sit and I call myself like, you know, a video creator or a filmmaker or something, you know, whatever. And you know, all I'm doing is pumping out weddings, right? Pumping out commercial work, pumping out, you know, there's no shame in it. You got to pay your bills. Absolutely. I I understand that. And you know, we both have families and it's like, Mm -hmm. I mean, that is the most important thing to me. But there's got to be a point where you're sick of hearing yourself saying, 
you know, and I'm an idea. I have to do this. Yeah, I'm an idea guy. So like, I have I'm talking about ideas all the time, and yeah. I'm like, I'm so tired of. There's one idea that I've been dragging along for like probably 12 years, and I'm like, I'm so tired of thinking about it. I'm just gonna do it, mm-hmm. and then fuck it. Like then it's off the, my table. You yeah. Know? And and but you know, there's you never want to be the guy that I don't want to show up here next year and be like, hey, remember that coffee thing? Blah blah blah. Like Great, yeah. you know, like. I want it to be done. Yeah, you know, absolutely. and uh, good, bad. I don't care. I it's just do it, you know. And that's a uh, a big thing with artists. We will sit there and talk ourselves out of anything. It's already been done. Yeah. Someone already made that. I, you know, um, I don't have the equipment. I don't have the funds. I don't have, you know. And that's actually. I mean, I don't know if you want to get into more technical stuff, but like, sure. As far as like the the film, I mean. I, I had my buddy with me that was driving and, you know, he would load my film camera while I was shooting an interview or something like that. But I did this as bare bones as possible. I had one lens and a 5D, you know, yeah. and uh, you had asked about the microphone, you know, it's yeah. a $25 microphone from Amazon um, and link in the show notes. And uh, <laughs> that, you know, out of that came, you know, this little piece and, that you you don't need the red camera and the Alexa and the 25 people in your crew and whatever right. and all these lights but you know maybe start smaller okay get encouragement your people are going to react respond to it if you do something that you're into and that resonates with people it shows you know if you do something you're not into that shows too you know <laughs> it certainly does whether there it's was, go ahead, go ahead. So I was just saying, like, I mean, after all that time of thinking, like, hey, man, I want to do stuff, I want to do stuff, I finally, that's where my YouTube thing started. That turned into my passion project, was just, like, kind of pumping out these, like, little videos, and they didn't mean shit to me. They were just, like, fun little things that I was doing, again, just to, like, kind of show who I am and, like, do these fun little videos. It's like an exercise. It really is. Mm -hmm. And... I can honestly attribute me leaving that job, me feeling comfortable enough to leave that job to doing YouTube. That's now I'm not saying that I was making enough money to survive on YouTube, but it gave me the confidence to get out there because I was learning new things. I was implementing different techniques in these videos Mm -hmm. and things that I wasn't cleared to do at work. Right. So, you know, you get out there and you, like you said, like, you know, bouncing ideas from, uh, you know, YouTube and our, the new generation, you know, out there making videos, you pick up on those things, you learn things and you just start to implement those things. And then that's what I started doing. I was implementing things into my client work. People love that stuff. And it's just like, you know, I think passion projects are something that, uh, is just very important because of all the things that you just said. And like this, talking yourself out of ideas. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm surprised this podcast is even <laughs> happening because I have tried to talk myself out yeah. of it a million times before it started. And then finally I looked at my, at my office and I was like, okay, I have a corner of the room with a shitload of equipment sitting there that I just spent, you know, a couple right. grand on. And, uh, I guess I have to do this damn thing. Yeah. And, and you know, like to, uh, you know, you, you were a big source of inspiration because I would watch, you were making those skate videos of the motorized scooters. And the, yeah. I remember the one with the playground where it was like the playground, uh, 
animals were talking to each other. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was like so fun and you could see that you were having fun making that stuff. And sometimes when you get into a grind of working too much, yeah, it's not fun. It, it's not that it's not fun. It's not digging ditches. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But you forget some of the reasons why you got into it and some of the excitement, you know? So I, and the, you know, this podcast is a perfect example. I mean, I've been talking about a podcast for years and I'm like, eh. <laughs> now Jordan shows up and he's like, all right. And you have this whole thing going on. You should and I, do it. I'll think about it. I'm not like, I'm, I'm kind of throwing around like a video podcast idea, yeah. more like short interviews with people or artists that I think are interesting, that I think are interesting, right. that may be relevant, maybe not. Um, there's an artist in New York, uh, it's a Latina artist that um, makes these beautiful sculptures and she's got like just a great head on her shoulders and we've talked and that's going to be one. There's another... Um, um, cisgendered bl- blind um, blues musician. He's kind mm-hmm. of like a ragtime musician um, that I found on Instagram, and I I'm he's so talented, you yeah. know. And and I just want to talk to him and see what his life is like, and listen to him play banjo and like guitar. He plays like old timey blues, you know. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, there's other guys. There's a guy in Philly that I'm I'm just mapping out my episodes right now for you. Right. Um, there's another guy in Philly that has all this information about how the city of Philadelphia is laid out and kind of like all these esoteric meanings and yeah. stuff. And he's like a Rastafarian guy. So that's pretty cool. I, I So more kind of like it's like artists. But, I you know, they're all artists. Yeah. You know? I don't want to say, oh, this is like the weird guy and she's like the cool artist. It's like all art yeah. to me you know i mean it's you know when i was making that one project the project on the playground it um it basically turned into like i was just kind of like stressed from work and all of this stuff and bills and money and all of that and uh it just was like i literally kind of like turned into like a 10 year old at that <laughs> point and like i just wanted to make something like the skate videos and all of that stuff that I was putting out on YouTube. Like I was doing those for a reason. I was doing those for views. I was doing yeah. those for, to build the channel. Mm-hmm. I mean, those videos were like, they were getting like 20, 30,000 views, Whoa. you know, whatever. That's amazing. So I, I had a motive to make those mm-hmm. and I just wanted to make something that was just goofy. Like yeah. I wanted to like, I didn't want to be labeled as like, Hey, that's the skateboard guy. Right. Or, Hey, that's the camera guy. I wanted to just make something fun. And like, you know, some people could see my sense of humor and things like that. And, uh, I thought that I thought it was pretty cool. It was fun. I mean, I don't even know how well the thing did. I don't even know if it's still on my channel or not. Well, in a way (laughs) it's, um, a reaction, you know, you, it's, you know, like when you see like modern art pieces where it's like Mark Rothko, it's just a red, canvas yeah and you're like oh my niece could do that or whatever you yeah. know well th- what you have to learn about is maybe what was happening in the time that art was made and maybe to that artist and you know i believe it to be like a reaction to classical masterpieces and mm-hmm. and you know whatever's happening in the art world and people only thinking art was this and he's like well, I don't want to draw a 
17th century woman next to a window or whatever. And he, and so then it's just kind of like punk rock, you know? And so maybe you were feeling like I, the expectation of me versus like who I am and why can't I have fun with this anymore or whatever. And sometimes the last thing you want to do after working all day is go home and open premiere pro and be like, all right, let's make something. It's just like you're exhausted. Um, so I saw it as this like reaction and, trying to find yourself again, you know, Mm -hmm. which is really powerful. And I think silly or not, or, you know, whatever those exercises, whether you share them or not, or I'm glad you did, but that's so important. You know, it's just keeping those, keeping you alive in you. (laughs) You just, yeah. I mean, like it was fun. I think it just turned into this thing that like I wanted to do. It was like, uh, just the, like a thing that I almost had to do to just like get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I've made power up absolutely. and then get to focus on like, you know, whatever I was spending too much time focusing on everything that I just wanted to have fun, right. turn into a kid again. Yeah. And then once I got rid of that energy, yeah, I got to get back, focus, do all of that. I was working, um, this is years before I met you. I had, uh, an artist, uh, in residency program. So I had like access to this, it was like in a church basement almost. And, uh, you could do whatever you want. And then at the end of the year, you had to screen your stuff, show your work, and then educate some like, um, high school kids. And they would come in and you'd give like a couple presentations to different high schools. And, um, because I was working commercially at the time, all I could hear in my mind were these people that I worked with that were everything had, you know, the light had to be perfect and the the hair had to be perfect and the makeup and the composition and the every, like there's dust on the ground. We've got, you know, like every single thing. Um, and I couldn't get their voices out of my head when I would just, and I had, I went to fine art school for film and like experimental stuff. And, I, all that always came easy to me. And then I go in the commercial world and I was like, uh, so then, um, my, the art that I made at that residency is like a, in a complete fuck you to that perfection thing. And it was basically when you would bring up videos within certain players, if they would start to glitch, then I would screen cap them and then, um, print them. So it'd be like this, beautiful color palette, but it's all glitched yeah. video. It's really cool. That's and awesome. Yeah. I'll show you some. And then, but it's not perfect. And the ideas of like, who's the author and it's, you're working with technology. That's, it's a totally random generation of art. And it's, you know, like I almost, I was almost just extracting the art from this weird process, not right. making it per se. And so th- that was very freeing too. And the other thing is, you know, the people that I was working with at the time, although great craftsmen and technicians, not artists. You yeah. Know? So there's that's a difference. The, that's the problem. I think that like, you know, whenever you do work so long in like a corporate atmosphere in a creative field, it's, it turns into uh, it just turns into a job. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I all, I often refer to my previous job as a video factory And that's what it was. Like somebody handed me what they wanted. I completed it. I handed it to the next guy. They completed it and it spit out a video. Right. And that's, I mean, it is what it is. That has to happen. That's what has to happen. But, you know, being off on our own and things like that. I mean, we get to experiment now. We get to 
I'm so happy that I had the experience to work 100%. with you and in corporate and all of that stuff to make me kind of realize what I really wanted. And yeah, you need that. It, uh, you know, it worked out great. Yeah, it did. And and you you had to experience. You had to go through that. Yeah. You know, and you wouldn't be the G that you are today right. had you not. Oh, definitely you know? not. And like no shade on any past things. I, I, I've loved every job I've had, yeah. you know, and there's just certain points where um, I just personally, you know, you're like, well, I, I want to keep doing this, but I also want to expand and try yeah. other things. And, and, you know, yeah. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a real cool thing. I mean, like, so when did you... When did you even like get into video? You went to college for video, actually. But no, I did not go to college for video. I went to college for film. Oh, film! Film. My bad. Yes, film. Uh, I'm kidding. The um, so good question. I'm gonna. I'll try not to make it that long. I don't know how much time we have. We're Uh, good. We should have opened with that. (laughs) Uh, I went. I was really young for my grade in high school. I should have been like a year before. And then I graduated like a little bit early. It's a semester early, not because I was super smart. I like barely graduated, but I was like, I figured out I could get the credits and leave. Yeah. Then I went to college and I studied marketing and I'm like, this is not for me. And then I quit college with no intention of ever going back after like a year and a half. And then, um, got a job in an office, started working in a cubicle, little, little prison sentence. (laughs) And, I was definitely escaping through films. I was watching, I would go to the library and get like 13 DVDs and watch them all. And I started realizing that there's like something else here that it's not, this isn't just boy meets girl. They fall in love. They fall out of love. Then they get back together. Like you would watch something like Pulp Fiction and you're like, this is like a whole universe. And they're like referencing all this other stuff. And it's like artful and beautiful, but also can be appreciated on this normal level. Yeah. And so I started to read more about film and I just thought, you know, if somewhere, somewhere in the world, a guy is getting paid to like hold a light stand on set, that could be me. Yeah. That, that's as low as my expectation was because I was, it was either work in a cubicle or be poor and be on a set. That would be okay with me, Yeah, you know, because I was not happy. So I decided to go back to school um, and, you know, I remember telling my parents like, I'm going to study film. My dad was a machinist and my mom works at Walgreens, you know? (laughs) So like, oddly enough, she did work in the photo counter. So I was getting like free processing my entire like high school. That's pretty nice. Yeah, I know. So like I, now it makes sense. Like why I was like, went in that direction, you know? But, um, so, um, I, I decided to go back to school for film and I went to university of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, which their program is, uh, I thought I was going to learn to make like Jurassic park or Harry met Sally or something. <laughs> yeah. And their program it is an experimental film program. It's one of the top three non Hollywood schools in the country. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any of this. I just, this was the local school. I didn't come from money. I couldn't go out of state or anything like that. And, um, it uh, like if you think like Warhol films are like whoa out there, that's like the first week. Yeah, that's like nothing. Then we go four more years, you know. Like and so that Baraka, <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's too commercial <laughs> for them. Yeah, that's very good, but too commercial for them. Right. Um, we're talking like there's this one called Wavelength. 
Um, I can't remember the artist's name. Forgive me. I think his first name is Michael. And it's a photo of a room mm-hmm. and a camera for 45 minutes. It's just pushing in <laughs> 45 minutes into one of the photos on the wall. That's like this wave. And it's really the school. If I could sum it up was about understanding the experience of taking in a film. Yeah. And you kind of use that to manipulate your audience. If you know, Stanley Kubrick's like the master. So like if you walked into a room and he hits that synthesizer, boom, Mm -hmm. you're like, boom, you know, like you're there with that character. Same thing with like symphonic music, you know, like the joy that brings or whatever. Yeah. Really understanding what an audience is feeling in a dark room when they're watching you your work, you know, and some, I came out of there with not much technical expertise. Like I, you know, they weren't like, here's the latest video cameras. We were shooting 16 millimeter film and, um, they would teach you how to process it in your bathtub or they would process black and white for you. Yeah. So it's like, I was cutting, splicing with tape and whole, you know, whole, like till three o'clock in the morning. Loved it. Yeah, I loved it. It was um, very gratifying and, you know, uh, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, And I couldn't say enough good things about that program. But if you're going in there looking to make Avengers 6 or whatever, it's just, it's not for you, you know? Yeah. Um, One of the benefits from that school was that I I had more, it was like theory and like an emotional intelligence about cinema that I don't think a lot of technician video guys have. Yeah. They understand I need the latest tech gear or they know, okay, let's do a drone shot for just cause we want a drone shot. Yeah. Well, for me, a drone shot has meaning, you know, and that there, there's a reason you would cut to a bird's eye view of something, you know, or whatever, you know, that each, each thing should be motivated. And I understand commercially, they want the kind of gizmos and all the flashy stuff. And, you know, that doesn't always apply. But when it when you get and get it to work like that, that is like really strong cinema. You yeah, know? Um, and that's just you know, that's just me. I don't know. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So how did you get started in video? Because you had a kind of a different background, like a yeah, graphic design. I think photography. Oh, okay. So I went to uh, in high school. I had some friends that were going off to college. I always hung out with the older crowd. So when my friends were going off to college. They, uh, you know, one of my friends became a photographer and he went to study photography and it just seemed like so interesting to me and, you know, to comfort myself because I've lost my friends, they've, they've gone away to school. I picked up a camera and started shooting myself and, uh, I went to go shoot a local band at the time. Uh, they were the Juliana theory. Oh yeah. So I went to go shoot them at uh, club Laga in Pittsburgh. That's before your time. Yeah. I'd... It it was an amazing place. But uh, I literally walked up with a camera. I looked at the guy who was like bouncing and I was just like, hey man, I, I'm i here to shoot. <laughs> press pass. <I> press guy. <laughs> and he literally just opened the gate and said, all right, come on in. And so, you know, I could have, I was friends with the guys from the band, so I could have just been like, hey, can you get me back there? But this guy just let me in and that was just like, A, that spoke to me personally. Like, yo dude, this camera is is fucking getting me access. places. I like this. access. Yeah, it's a key. So I shot that uh, 35 millimeter shot that and went and I processed all of my negatives and did all of that stuff. And it turned into this thing where I was like in the dark room and I was just like, this is like, 
this is an amazing experience. Like I'm doing something. I'm creating something. Yeah. I, could, I could smell the chemicals. I could touch yeah. the paper. I could do all of this stuff. Um, you know, playing with the enlarger and stuff like that. You know, if I just waved something over top of one area, you know, that mm-hmm. would be lighter than, than the rest of the photo. And I was just like, this is an interesting thing. And so I went to college for photography, did that. And in that dark room, had a lot of fun. And uh, then me and me and the professor, we kind of butted heads. It mm. was they, you know, as they do. always, it was me. <laughs> I was such a prick. They were like trying to like Ansel Adams zone system, all yeah. of this stuff, teach me all this shit. And I was like, at the time, I was like, I just want to take photos. Right. Like I was more in it for the art and not the technical yeah. side of it. And uh, now I appreciate that more than fucking anything in the world. Right. Because right. I need it on a daily basis. But it um, at the time, I was just like, look, I'm not interested in this. We butted heads. She knew that I hated it. And uh, so a friend of mine was shooting a music video. He said, do you want to help me out? I said, sure. So we went. And then that whole process of like setting up shots and doing this and like, you know, kind of maybe like a parallax shot mm-hmm. of this guy playing guitar. And like, you know, we were in a barn. And we got that sun coming through those slats yeah, and stuff, little and dust. Like all the dust <laughs> and all that. And I was just like, "This Specular is highlights. fucking beautiful." Yeah. yeah. And um, so we did that here at home. And then when we went back to college, I went to the same college as as my buddy, the photographer that left, you know, years ago. And uh, so I got there, and uh, we start cutting this thing. And I just said, "Hey, do you mind if I like play around with this?" So we copied a sequence, and I start just messing around editing, with editing yeah. we were editing a video toaster oh yeah dana carvey's brother oh really invented that yeah oh. so i'm messing around that's my first like you know non-linear editing experience this whole like digital thing mm-hmm. and uh i really just fell in love with it and i was like holy shit so like i literally found myself who i am totally sitting at a fucking desk yeah it's, in, an, in an editing it, bay it bites you it's it like a, when you can, I can see when people get the bug and yeah. I've always tried to mentor younger artists and, and younger creative people. And, you know, uh, like I had my friend Tanya's son on set with us once and he, he just, just to like move the light or whatever, just hang out. I might need a hand with something or whatever. I mean, they just light up and they, yeah. they, then the next thing you see, they're planning their own shoot and you know, they they got a, another camera and now they're going to go do their own thing. And it's like, that's excellent, you yeah. know? And, and it's a very um, constructive way for young people to spend their time. My son's in a uh, production class in high school. I taught him the last few years how to use premier pro and mm-hmm. he'll make like little highlight reels from like, you know, baseball trick plays or whatever, and yeah. like put a song to it, and then like, and like yeah. you know, like um, the drop and everything. So it's you try to keep it as simple as possible for really young kids, but it does bite people. And, it really and does. I always say like, whatever you're YouTubing late at night, that's what you should be doing for your job. So if you're yeah. if you're watching people go fishing and you want to learn all about the. <clears throat> Bass Pro Shop and this whole thing and what you know this certain rod and reel you should probably start angling your life towards angling, yeah. Angle your <laughs> life towards that thing because if you you know it's such a cliche if you uh, do what you love you never work a day in your life and yes yeah. you know dude firm believer in that yeah firm believer in that it just like you know I feel that uh, 
you know, just getting out there and doing the things that you love really do kind of start to breed this whole different mindset in people and things. I mean, like, you know, the, the thing in college was just kind of like every person I was in film school with, uh, I think I've told this story before, but the instructor went down and just said like, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And everybody wanted to go to New York or LA. They all wanted to be, you know, big famous film directors and all of that. And he got to me and I'm just sitting there and I was like, dude, I just want to own a video production company in my hometown. (laughs) Like I just, I want that local market. I, I want to be that guy. And, uh, so obviously that's what I went ahead and did, but I feel like, you know, being over here on, on, in Pennsylvania, you know, anybody that wants to do something creative, like with video and things like that, Mm -hmm. we really are at, we're in a good spot to do that. Like when you and I were in LA last year, I was talking to some guys on set and, you know, I'm talking to a guy who literally, and no shade thrown at the, at, at any of these guys, they're awesome people, but he just was saying like, Hey man, you know, by next year, I think that maybe I'll be able to, you know, run camera and this, this and that. And I'm sitting there and it impacted me so hard. I was just like, why don't, why don't you fucking do it? Right. Just do it. Right. There's a whole structure out there. Right. There's a whole fucking like. Right. Now with union cameramen yeah. and all that. like, and, and that was, I mean, I've been very lucky because <clears throat> if, uh, you know, the industry changed as soon as I was like ready, mm-hmm. um, the photo and video world started to combine when the 5d came out and the red camera and there prior to that, if you, I thought when I got out of school, like, geez, someday I hope someone will let me look at a red camera on set. Like yeah. I might be able to like look at the menu, you know, so they were like 50 to $80,000 totally built out when they first came out. Yeah. And, um, that was, um, uh, and then all of a sudden, these retail clients I had just bought red cameras and they're like, well, which one do you want? And I'm like, uh, what? And then also they got two cameras. And then I was like, Oh, I can operate You know, like, yeah. But if you do go to LA, you do go to New York. I mean, you might get someone coffee for 10 years before you're sitting and operating like a film camera right. movie or, or a commercial or something. So I can't, I am always like someone that I have to, I have to make up I make the opportunity for myself and I can't, Gee, I hope and pray that somebody likes me, that they're going to give me an opportunity. Give it's you too, a shot. Yeah, like, it just just go. I, yeah. One of my dreams is, like, to take the cheapest Canon Rebel that's, like, $300 on Craigslist and make, like, a short piece that's, like, gorgeous and everyone be like, what camera did you use, you know? Yeah. And, like, like, the same one that you have in your basement right now that you're not working with, you yeah, know? Exactly. Like, it's just, like... Use what you have, mm-hmm. you know, I, what, I, dude, an iPhone. It's the best camera you have. I, the camera you got with you. And mm-hmm. it, and if it's, I mean, now with the iPhone and slow motion and all these lenses and all that stuff, it's like, I, with the, I don't, wouldn't even need a gimbal or anything just to make something really nice, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, it's a gr- it's an amazing time. Yeah, um, it really is. F- the technology has caught up to what the people want. It's so easy. Anyone can get into it if they want to make, I mean, whether it's make your family videos or try to like tell a story or short film or whatever, like most families have enough in their house right now, maybe one trip to Ikea to get some lights or something, but like, you know, you can do it, you know, for sure. 
there was it was it was funny i i'm glad that you brought up the whole like oh what camera are you using type of thing because i called you after your film and i <laughs> asked one you of my, those very questions it's one of my most proud moments by yeah. the way so I called and I said, what camera did you use? And the fact that your audio was just so good. It was so crisp. Everything was great. And then you, now being a video guy or even anyone that's ever operated a camera ever in their lives, you know that if you're outside, you're going to get some wind noise. You're going to hear that like, yeah, and it sucks. It's terrible. And uh, so I noticed that in your film, Everything sounded really great. Everything looked really good. It looked like film. Everything was really great. And I was like, man, this is awesome. And our buddy Ross, we were outside having a smoke and he was like, man, yeah, he must have taken the red out there and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the audio sounded really good and all this. And I called you and you told me what? (laughs) Well, first, I was really proud of that because I didn't take the red camera. I just took a 5D, which... You know, like if you play its strengths Mm -hmm. and, you know, to me, I thought, oh, there's all these problems with it. This it's blown out. There's the we're in this hot desert. It's blinding. Like, how is this going to look when I get it back? I wish I would have brought the red camera, you know, and I really just played up its strengths. And I I know that like shocked you when I said that. But I I think that, you know, if you use all your powers, Mm -hmm. you can get a great image out of it. And um then the audio was just the it's a it's called a tax star you can get it on Amazon I think it was $25 and I found out through blogs whatever this is like years ago that I figured this out that the guts of this $25 microphone were the same guts made in China for other expensive brand microphone yeah. which I won't mention and um so it's you know I've probably bought five or six of these over the years and like it's so good and reliable and it has like a few little features um where you it can cancel noise or if in you know i use apple earbuds and not like some fancy stuff and you know like this is a very basic setup you know it's a and it's it was a perfect example of like use what you have i had a backpack you know, mm-hmm. and that was in a monopod. That was it, you know, and I think I was really proud of how it came out, but it definitely took some massaging. Um, you know, I cleaned up the audio and that was still my biggest kind of like uh, cringe of after it was like finished. Oh, I, really? Yeah. I was like, dude, it sounds great. You're, <laughs> you're beating you, yourself up. When you called me and the first thing that like, I respect your opinion. And so like when a video guy calls you and says like, what did you use for sound? And that was like the one point that I thought was the worst part. I was like, Oh my God, that's a huge compliment, you know? So, um, yeah, again, you don't have to have boom mic and this guy and you gotta, whatever this, he's got a dat and whatever, like just go for it. And you know, if your topic, your subject of whatever it is you're doing is engaging, Maybe that's why you didn't notice the audio was so shitty. <laughs> it's because yeah. it's engaging, you know, but like, you know, it's, it, it, you know, I cleaned it up, but yeah. Anyway, so I appreciate those kind words. <clears throat> Definitely. Yeah. So why don't you, uh, I have a quick question go for, for you. It. So aside from the marketing and stuff, why did you decide, because there's a lot of ways to market yourself. Why did yeah. you decide to get into podcasting and what was the appeal? And I feel like, you are very smart in getting this localized situation going. So t- 
Tell me about that. So there was, that's a good question. They're kind of similar to you. There was, I was like pumping out kind of all this like work and, uh, you know, someone's getting a good response, but I'm not getting a good response from my friends, the people who are like, I call my friends, you know? And then, uh, I was getting this response from like friends of mine that I met through YouTube, like in Canada Mm -hmm. and like all these, all these other places. And, um, you know, I, I really just felt like, ugh, I need to do something local. Like nobody, nobody here in Greensburg cares about like me telling them how to work a camera. Right. So, you know, it just, uh, I kind of shifted focus. Now I was thinking, how can I do something cool, local for the community, talk to people and kind of market, you know, people's Mm -hmm. businesses or their art or, Mm -hmm. you know, ideas or whatever. And, uh, at the same time, use that as a vehicle to promote myself and mm-hmm. my my video business here. And uh, the podcast really kind of just seemed like it was the way to do it. Yeah. Um, and you're getting a great response, right? Yeah, Didn't, absolutely. Someone I mean, say like, hey, you're the podcast you're the po- guy. <laughs> yeah. I was. <laughs> Doesn't get better than that, yeah. right? I, I mean, mean it's, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. I mean, to be you know, just kind of doing this thing in this little town and and stuff. Like I get to learn about people that, you know, I see all the time and, uh, you know, people that I don't know, I get to learn about them and what they're doing and, you know, just kind of how this area is going through this revitalization. And, uh, you know, we're getting a casino down the road and, uh, all these restaurants are popping up. My buddy opened a brewery. It's just like all of this stuff is happening. Like within, five five yeah. mile radius of where we're sitting right now i think it's so smart and i you know don't hate me when i rip off your idea and do it from my region <laughs> but um you should <laughs> but you know it's 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 just like highlighting now maybe the brewer guy doesn't think of himself as an artist you know but that's an inspiring story i think a lot of people you know if you're working for a company and then you see someone go out on their own and you see like I had a neighbor who started a brewery and I just thought like, well, I gotta be as smart as that guy. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I work as hard as him. Like what, you know, and he was, it's kind of like the American dream, you know? And so I think that's really appealing. Also, I noticed that you were highlighting, uh, you know, artists, um, Dasher and then, um, the lady, uh, from the arts, Kelly, Kelly, Kelly Brisbane. So I, I, I think that there's probably people in this town that don't understand that there's a, cultural trust right yeah i had no idea right they want to support people's creative ideas yeah and it might not be like whoa i'm this wild artist it might just be like you know someone that wants to have a space to make stuff and whether it's knitting or quilting or or building furniture whatever like it's available to them and i think that's really really cool i think it's pretty awesome like without the cultural trust this podcast probably wouldn't have got off the ground because I went ahead, when I got all this stuff, I got, you know, different mic stands and all of that stuff. I was prepared to go mobile. Mm. I was going to go to people's businesses or people's houses yeah. or studios or whatever. I was going to take my backpack right. full of stuff to them and then set this all up and do, you know, whatever. And uh, that is really what kept me from pulling the trigger on it for like the longest time. And I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it. I thought about doing this podcast for a year before it happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's an incubation phase. Yeah. And, uh, 
as I heard about this cultural trust, I was like, I want to check this out. You know, there's, I can't, I can't go and spend like a shitload of money every month on a passion project. Like I can't pay rent. Right. No, I you know, totally for get that. something that doesn't, I mean, I don't even shoot video in here. Right. I'm a video guy. I own a video <laughs> company and I don't use this studio for oh, video. Is, yeah. Um, I could if I needed to, but you know, it, uh, this was like a passion project, so I can't dedicate that much money to it. Right. And uh, that's how it started. And then I was just like, who is this place? Like, what are what do they do? And, you know, the rent was very affordable for artists and stuff. And I was just like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to set up a studio. And I wanted, you know, to take this a little bit more seriously. And I wanted other people to take my podcast more seriously. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't want it to be like, Oh man, everybody's got a podcast now, and this guy's just running around again. With a an artist and talking, blah, blah, blah. you talking yourself out of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, so I wanted to like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna up the ante here, and I'm gonna have a studio. I'm gonna have a dedicated place to do this, so people take me seriously, and I take myself seriously. And uh, as much as I wanted this to be, you know, for the community at the time. First and foremost, I have to pay my bills, so mm-hmm. I needed to use it as that marketing vehicle for my other for my for my video business. And then once the first episode went down, I I got a call from a company, and they were just like, "Hey, man, we heard that you first run a, episode, right? We heard that you run a video company. <laughs> Let's talk about shooting videos." And so that happened, and so I enjoyed that, but. The fact that the podcast itself did so well, this whole thing kind of transcended what it was originally intended for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now I love it. Yeah. I just get to talk to people, all kinds of different people, um, artists and Well, and the whatever. thing is that um, I wish I had the right quote right now, but the, you know, like you see people with like 200,000 followers or blah, 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 blah. When you're localized you don't need that kind of numbers. What you need is like a hundred good people. Yeah. That are actually real fans for sure. Real people that actually follow you. People that download the podcast, like the video comment on the thing. Those 100 people are more important than having 250 like casual unengaged people. Right. And so activating them and you know, hopefully they pass it yeah. and share it and they're going to be kind of like your little street team. You know, I mean, I definitely have referred people to your podcast and your work and your YouTube and stuff. And it's like, that's, that's, and it, they feel engaged because it's their community too. Absolutely. You know? and, and they find out about this cool new brewery yeah. or, or casino or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I have, you know, I'm not a part of this community, but I like, Every time I talk to you, I learn more about this area. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is like happening. You know, it's this is a cool like place. pretty cool place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like that was kind of like if we want to like take it to a marketing or sales <laughs> area, this I mean, this podcast is almost a hot lead. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's people want to listen to it locally because a, it's about your community right. and, you know, the people on the show. Right. That's how I, I think I was able to build the audience so fast is because people were just like, oh, my God, I know that guy. I want to listen to him Absolutely. or her and then I'm going to share it and blah, blah, blah. Right. And they're folding and, uh, laundry or driving to work yeah. or whatever. And they might not um, 
why would someone reach out to Kelly and the cultural trust? Like just your average person is, you yeah. know, but now, Oh my God, they learn about it and their nephew is an artist or whatever. And they, you know, yeah. it's, it's a good dissemination of information. It really is. It's awesome. And like, you know, even with, uh, you know, business, it just like, it's a good way to, you know, get, get your name out there. 100%. You take like, um, you know, word of mouth or whatever. Yeah. And you know, people are, sharing that, sharing the episodes. and Yeah, I mean, I always say that you want to be on the hearts and minds of everyone. So, like, if they need video, they should be calling Jordan. You know, if they need video, they should be calling Ryan. You know, and yeah. that's, like, uh, you know, and you build that reputation over time, being consistent and everything. But, you know, you need to be in front of them and they need to know. Like, there are people that are brilliant graphic designers or brilliant painters and stuff, but they don't share their work. They don't talk to people about their work and Mm -hmm. they just like paint in their mom's basement or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's sad because like, it's like part of, you know, you have like your pre-production, your production, then your Mm post-production, but then you have to exhibit, you have to share it. And then at that point, that art is out there. If you write a song, it's the same thing. Then it's the audience's song and they're going to interpret it however you want to, but you still have to share it. Yeah. You know, and until you do that final step, then it's just nothing, you know? So it's, um, always want to be in the hearts and minds of people for the thing that you're making. Absolutely. I think it's a good place to stop right there. I just want to plug one thing. The name of the film is uh, We Come in Peace. I was just getting there. Oh, okay. Son do of you, a bitch. you should have put it up front. <laughs> no, um, so tell us where we can find you, Ryan Abel. Um, I would say I'm most active on Instagram, which is my my handle is um, at video is dead. And then there's a YouTube link in the bio. And or you can search We Come in Peace, Ryan Abel on YouTube and it'll come up. Uh, it's a short. It's about 20 minutes, which I have a thousand views, which is like 20,000 minutes of yeah. time, which is crazy that that much people have watched that, even though, you know, thousand whatever but um it's uh definitely subscribe i'm trying to get the content going and all that um but this is not a vlog or youtuber thing this is like a short film so uh try to come up with that and then if you look on instagram at video is dead you'll see um clips from the film and then also the medium format portraits that i took and then i usually include like a little sentence or two about the person or the thing that they said and um yeah it's um, awesome. One last thing. My website is ryanable.net and that has uh, my portfolio and then links to this video as well. Awesome. Yeah. The video is worth every single second. The <laughs> the you. film. I mean, it's like the 20 minutes I was at the screening. I was lucky enough to go to the screening and we, uh, we sat there, we watched in 20 minutes like flew by like that. It was just so engaging. It's such an amazing film. You did Thank an amazing you. job. That's um, a lot. Thank yeah. you so much. Very cool. I, and, and I had fun making it, so that's a big thing. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Thanks for being on Thank the show. Thank you for having me so much. All right. Love man. you. Love you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my boy, Ryan Abel. He's such a creative and inspirational and sweet guy. I would really appreciate it if you guys went on to YouTube and checked out We Come in Peace by Ryan Abel. And you can also find that link down in the show notes below. If you enjoy that video, go ahead, give it a like, 
and subscribe to his channel there on YouTube. You can also find Ryan on Instagram at video is dead. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was very inspirational for me and I hope it was inspirational for you guys too. I understand that you always have to worry about paying your bills and things like that, but you always have to leave time for passion projects and creating things that you're proud of. That's what keeps you going. All right, we'll see you next time.